Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. It seems like each Sunday I, I say that th this, is, this assignment I gave to myself is hard, uh, doing a whole gospel at a time, but it's getting harder every week. Because this week we have Luke, who is, is probably the most uh, educated and I uh, understand uses the, the, the best Greek of any of the gospel writers. Uh, I understand for those who, who have tackled Greek that there are 800 Greek words in Luke that are used nowhere else in the New Testament. And so it's a very difficult, uh, difficult book uh, in some ways. But I think for us who just read it in English, it's, it's very uh, plain spoken and, it, and it's peculiarly modern in its perspective. The first thing that we need to talk about is that all of the Gospels really are anonymous Gospels. They really are not the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. These names were attributed to the Gospels in the first century or two by tradition. And uh, we, all we really know about the writer of Luke is that he was highly educated and that he was probably Greek. Um, and and uh, he identifies that he's really not a first century, first generation witness. In the first chapter, in the first four verses, he says, since many have under undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decidedly, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, or another translation, or, or for a very long time, endeavor to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. Uh, 
Now that name, uh, Theophilus, is very interesting. It may not be an actual person. It may be a symbolic way of saying you. Why would it be you? Because are, are you a lover of God? That's what the word, the name Theophilus means. Theos being God and Philos being love, lover of God. And so we believe that it was a second generation person that wrote this, this glorious gospel. Um, this gospel is really the one that's emphasized the most in the United Church of Christ. It, it emphasizes God's special attention to widows and orphans and the poor. We UCC folks emphasize the stories of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners and Samaritans and ministering to the excluded and disadvantaged with extravagant welcome and ancient customs of hospitality. In Luke, his minist Jesus' ministry begins with a sermon. The other Gospels do not begin with a sermon. And that first sermon is not found anywhere else. And it's so famous that I'll bet, I'll bet you know what it is if I were to say, quote this. I'll bet it'll come right back to you. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I'll bet you've heard at least a dozen sermons on that, on that scripture, haven't you, over the years? And uh, it's very famous because it really sets the tone for all the themes that are there in Luke. But Luke does a very interesting thing. He collects together uh, a, a whole bunch of stories and parables that are found nowhere else. In fact, it, about half of the gospel of Luke is found nowhere else. It begins with infancy stories, which are very different than the ones we talked about last week where it was Jesus being exiled into Egypt. He begins with the story of the shepherds, the humblest of vocations. And they're the first ones to witness this birth. And so that theme of, the, of God paying a special attention to those who are outcasts and those who are poor, those who have no other worldly power, begins right at the beginning with the Christmas story. It also has some of the most beautiful poetry and hymns which has been used for thousands of years in liturgy and music. And I'll bet if I just give you the, the titles that you'll be amazed. Luke records the Ave Maria, records the Magnificat, 
the Benedictus, okay, for us non-Catholics, we may not know that one. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. That's the Benedictus. And the Gloria in excelsis, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And the nunc dimittis, that's, that's the Latin for master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And so that's often used at the end of a worship service. So what I'm trying to say to you is that Luke is, is probably the first great novelist. Because what does a novelist do but to collect stories that help to bring the theology alive and, and to create in us a picture of what it, what it was like to, to hear Jesus teach and to, to watch him as he healed and interacted with people. And so there are many stories that are found nowhere else in any other gospel. You ever heard of a couple of these? The Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son are both Luke stories that were remembered in his story. And, and I'm sorry, Martha, the story of Mary and Martha is also there. <laughs> Many parables concerning the spiritual difficulties of being rich. Ouch. And the story of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Surprisingly, one of the things that's not in Luke is that Luke never directly connects the salvation of humanity with the death of Jesus on the cross. Let that sink in for a minute. I think what that means is that even in the early church, there were lots of ideas about how to understand the incarnation, that God becoming fully human and they were wrestling with it and they didn't understand it and they right in the scriptures we see that we had Mark who believed that that Jesus became the son of God at his baptism and we've got Matthew and Luke who believe that that began with his conception but even here in Luke that he didn't make the connection that other, other, some of the other gospel writers made so clearly that they believed that it was the cross that was the instrument of salvation. And, and we could go into that. It's, it's, uh, uh, not, uh, it's certainly beyond the scope of our trying to, to look at the unique things about, uh, about Luke. So how does Luke understand the cross? It's almost like for Luke, he wants to communicate that 
This is an innocent man who was martyred because he was telling the truth. And no one would believe him. So for Luke, he kind of understood this as an undeserved act of violence. And in fact, there are stories in Luke that the Roman procurator Pilate proclaims him innocent. It's a little bit of a different twist than the other Gospels. And so Luke really lays it, the responsibility for this violent act at those in the crowd who shouted for his death and his crucifixion. But what most of all is important for Luke is that this terrible tragedy, this first martyrdom was set straight three days later through the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter morning. Of that, all four Gospels and every letter of the Bible agree. They may not agree about the the meaning of the cross necessarily, but everybody understood the amazing message that Easter morning and this whole season of Easter represents to us. But one of the most important things, I think, since this is Mother's Day, I couldn't resist making this the main point, and that is, and I've included some things for you to look at in the, in the bulletin and online on the bulletin as well, that, that Luke was particularly sensitive to include women in his story. Luke has almost a a modern attitude towards women uh, as being equals. And uh, I think that's pushing it a little bit too far. That's putting our own understanding uh, from the 21st century onto an ancient book where it was absolutely a world where women had no rights at all and uh, were often mistreated and uh, if their husband died often ended up being starving and homeless and and uh, uh, it was it was not a not a, a, a society that took care of women so I think it's particularly ex- important to recognize that probably for the first time in all of recorded human history somebody was writing about the equality of women in God's sight. It's, it's a, a, an amazing message and one that we can really celebrate on Mother's Day, isn't it? Women are important in Jesus' ministry through, throughout. In, in chapter 8, for example, there's a, a little piece that, that appears nowhere else except for in Luke. It says, soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod, steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others 
who provided for them out of their resources. So in other words, there were 12 male disciples and many women disciples. I, I think it is fair to say. And so I want to begin or end with one final thought since this is also Mother's Day that for, the, for those of us who are lucky we have more than one mother. And uh, I, 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 you, you may wonder why, why do we give kisses to every woman regardless of whether you have children or not. It doesn't matter. You're, every woman is an, is an aunt. Uh, every, every woman ha, has a, a chance to influence young people and, and, and uh, influence the world through the very important task of family making. And, and so when I say that everyone has the chance to be one, more, have more than one mother, if you're, if you're lucky, have you had an elderly woman in your life who's given you good advice along the way? Have you had family friends, maybe not even related to you, a, a woman who has mentored you, who has challenged you, and even who's whipped you into shape? That's what we give thanks for today, is the role of relationship, the role of relationship. And so, we read Jesus' words with particular in interest as we think about women and men and families. If you love me, you will keep my commandments to love each other. And I, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. And to think about three things. To know that any human being, any, any mother is not perfect and can't satisfy all of our needs. That our mothers are human beings just like us. And that that means that we are to turn to God who is able to satisfy all of our needs for love. To help us find a kind of home that we catch glimpses of when our human families are being the best that they can be. But it's really only God who can satisfy our deepest need for love, isn't it? And that even when we don't think that's happening, that it is faith that is there to keep us hoping that we will all be the families that we're meant to be, that we'll be the church family we're meant to be, that we will be the representatives of God's love in the world as we're meant to be, and that all the relationships of the world would be shaped by God's love 
and that we would come to peace at last with one another. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.